Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's discussion program. The discussion program brings together experts to reflect on a variety of current security issues facing Africa at local, national and international levels. Hello and welcome to the African Leadership Central Radio's discussion program. My name is Desmond Davis and my guest today is Dr. Pinky Megwe from the University of uh, Johannesburg in South Africa, Tracy Ahumuza from the uh, New Vision newspaper in Uganda, and Anne Kiruku from the East African News Agency. Uh, you all took part uh, today in the uh, well, the last two days in, in a workshop on uh, media and violence in uh, East Africa. Uh, Pinky, you, you made some interesting uh, observations this morning about representations. Can you please expand? I was looking at um, a representation from an ethical perspective um, that you know it becomes so important when we talk to or represent male and female um, in the media to ensure that all the time we abide by ethics, that it is we do not flout the rights of the individuals that we, we're working with, uh, because it is so important that um, subjects are treated with the dignity that um, they, they require and that their stories are carried with as much authenticity um, as possible. Uh, yes, Tracy, I mean, you are from the uh, traditional old-school media, and you, you are very um, uh, concerned about the issue of ethics. Yeah. Um, personally, yes, I, I find that um, there's a lot going... Um, yes, there are traditional ethics that we need to follow, and I believe they, they call to our conscience as human beings on what we want to do or how we want to impact society, but also being sure that we are not, you know, um, marginalizing people or that we're not doing, um, we're doing the right thing for our society. And that's what ethics is really about, essentially, the conscience, being, being conscious, um, conscious when you're speaking about, uh, when you're telling stories. But um, how is that going to happen? We've, we've, we've been asking a lot of questions about how, how people can, how journalists can remain ethical when the institutions themselves have stopped being ethical, when they're now more into making money, they're more into being a business, and, and the, the journalists at the bottom of the line is still required to you know, follow the ethical line or, or you know, tell the story of the marginalized person. And yet you know that the company may not even run your story, may not even, you know, may look at the story and say, oh, this doesn't sell, this doesn't make the cut, you know, this is not going to get us paper sales. And so the question of ethics, yes, has become something that we, uh, it's a contentional topic, everyone is talking about it, um, uh, how we lost the media and how is the media really, is it really representing the society now or is it just the government? Is it a mouthpiece of the government? Is it working to protect the government and not to protect the people? It's, it's becoming um, more obvious that, um, and, and I suppose that is why what we have begun to call the fifth estate has arisen. People have moved away from mainstream media because they don't believe that it's ethical anymore. Um, but you know, we need 
rules, don't we? At the end of the day. But, but, but Anne, you uh, showed a lot of concern about the uh, the way conflict in East Africa is being reported. I mean, can you explain a bit more about why you expect such concerns? Uh, my concern on uh, how conflict is uh, being reported uh, in East Africa has mainly to do with uh, the issue of uh, lack of uh, distorted information, actually. Uh, lack of clear uh, information. The two opposing sides not willing to tell the truth from each side. And uh, the journalists find it difficult now to get that information. Because when you ask this side of the, oppos the opposing side, they give you this uh, information. You ask the other side, they give you this kind of information. The other issue on conflict is about uh, gender. When a, a woman is re uh, reporting on issues to do with uh, conflict and violence across the region, it becomes an issue because uh, you're not expected to uh, speak or to write about issues to do with the political violence. And people expect a woman to only be reporting on issues to do with the weddings uh, and uh, marriages and such, uh, baby showers. Nobody expects you to question issues to do with corruption, governance, and such issues. So I think the issue of uh, media reporting on conflict in East Africa has largely to do with how journalists are received by, uh, by, by the public. Pinky, you started out in journalism, you said. Did you find that problem about you being shunted to one side as a, as a female... Uh, journalist? Well, not really. Um, although I am aware of um, these problems, I am saying not really because I was, as I said, a pedestrian journalist. I, I had been teaching at the university. Um, I felt that there were, you know, there could be a better reading culture um, in, in my country at the time. And I, and I chose to use radio as a medium for engendering um, reading. So that was uh, my stint there. It did open me up to a whole lot of um, insights into what is going on in, in the arena of, um, of media practice. And it is interesting where we started off because Trace is talking about um, how it is difficult to stay ethical in an environment that actually has a clear regulatory framework. Um, just as we also know that um, there are media codes of conduct, even around um, gender parity at this point in time, and yet you're finding that um, on the ground practice is very difficult. And so part of what I sought to discuss this morning was to touch on the intractability of finding ethical conduct engendered in the online space. Mm -hmm. So if these, as you were calling them, traditional um, <laughs> areas of the media are so challenged, imagine what happens online, which of course is an area that is really very exciting because we can all participate. We have citizenship media there, citizen media, I'm sorry. But at the same time, as I was suggesting this morning, it really is rife with all sorts of possibilities for flouting media ethics. Yes, indeed. I mean, that's what I am worried about because what's the difference between publishing things online uh, newspapers, you take the newspaper to the court, but you don't, you, you can't do anything with those publishing online. There should be some restrictions, yeah. don't you think? 
Tracy? Yes. Um, I believe with every... Uh, when we go to talk about um, the media originally, a lot of people, when they talk about the press, they mean the mainstream media, and that is usually print, print um, the print form of communication. And with most print houses, yes, they have a code of conduct, they have a code of ethics, and there are rules that must be followed. You have to get two sides of the story, or get all the characters in the story to participate in your story. You have to make sure you balance it, you have to make sure you're accurate about everything that you report on. And there are consequences. Obviously, when you don't follow the rules, someone gets hurt. It may not be just you, because sometimes they're, they're, there's obviously... Um, Sometimes you're not supposed to relay your sources. Uh, you're supposed to protect your source from you know, uh, possible marginalization or even getting their life. And if you're not careful, um, some people may die, you know, yeah. worst case scenario, yeah. or God forbid a genocide could come out of one story that yeah. you wrote. And this is what happens um, on, main, on, on, on new media. Um, stories are propagated and sometimes they're misconstrued um, I spoke of a, of a picture that was published on social media um, that was d during the election campaigns in Uganda and they were they was saying that um, people were being banned um, uh, for, for trying to vote for the, the incumbent and it turns out that this was actually a picture from 2000 and I think maybe eight from xenophobia attacks in, in, in South Africa. And, and honest to God, there are some people out there who don't know about this thing. They'll see such a picture and then they'll circulate it. Mm. They'll amplify it. And I believe, yes, this is why the rules are in place. This is why even the internet needs to be governed with some... At the very least, there must be a body that, you know, obviously we talked about a body that sees such pictures and pulls them down, you know, in, in the event that it's going to obviously turn into something else. Well, yeah, governments in Africa have to do that because, I mean, some pictures are very distressing and they cause a lot of concern in, on, on the continent. Yeah. And, I mean, you work for the uh, East African News Agency. How does it operate? I mean, in terms of uh, disseminating information in the region about peace, security and uh, current conflict. Um, East African News Agency, normally um, it is the independent news agency for the East Africa community. Uh, they normally uh, publish uh, stories from across the region, we, uh, from each and every partner state, the six partner states. There is uh, about two journalists who are appointed, and then uh, you, the stories are normally translated uh, to French and Kiswahili. For those in Kiswahili, they are distributed in Tanzania free of charge, and then uh, for those, uh, they are, are translated to French and distributed in uh, uh, Burundi and uh, Rwanda, and then in Kenya. Those in Kenya are published by the uh, Citizen Digital Portal. So, so what, what's the aim of the news agency? The aim the of the news agency, first of all, is uh, to promote EAC integration. It is to promote the East Africa community integration. That is the major agenda. And of course, to, uh, to highlight the challenges that are there in each and every partner state. So whatever is going on in uh, the each of the five partner states uh, is published. And uh, of course, the main purpose is integration agenda. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think, uh, on, no, no, Tracy, about the, uh, the, the, the problems that... Uh, women journalists are still facing in terms of covering uh, war and that sort of thing? 
Um, I mean, I mean, how, do you send people from your newspaper, female journalists, to uh, cover conflict? Well, uh, that is a subjective statement because here's what <laughs> happens a lot of the time: um, editors get maybe they get pitched story ideas, and they get told, "Oh, um, who are you going to send out to the field?" And unfortunately, or I don't know, yes, it is unfortunate because a lot of the time. The existing journalists who cover these things, a lot of them are men already. Um, very few women are going to come up. That's what the men say. They'll say, oh, um, the women are not interested in reporting on conflict and peace. So we are going to send out the people who are already covering this, and these are the men. And and sometimes, occasionally, a woman will arise, uh, you know, or many even will come up and say, "Oh, we want to recover a story on this and this and this." And they say, "No, that's not your place. You know, um, you need to be in a safe environment. You you stay behind. Um, it's you. There'll be a lot of running around. What if they steer gas? And maybe you can't even run that fast." Let's 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 you stay and cover from the side. And then sometimes when a woman goes out of her way and does investigative journalism, and and maybe not necessarily go out into the you know the field per se, but actually write the stories, um, we have they encourage uh, women sometimes to write from inside. You know, you you can still write. You don't actually have to go out there a lot of the time. You you, you do it from here where it's safe. And that's that. That can be quite unfortunate because obviously you need to. Yes, uh, I think you and South Africa, and it seems that the uh, the internet is being used aggressively to uh, more or less highlight the gender, the racial, and social divide in 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 the country. Right now, um, it, actually, since the beginning of this year, there has been so much going on um, on the internet space um, that picks on societal issues, societal ills, starting from racism, um, such that government is actually now compelled to, to act. And, and there's now, you know, regulation around um, even distributing, sharing something that uh, might be found to be offensive. So there is development in terms of conscientizing people to the fact that you can perpetrate violence through um, the, 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 the internet through social media. But I'm finding also fascinating how social media is being used for activism. And it is particularly students that are doing this, you know, the, the, the hashtag um, fees must fall, that has it got to unite mm -hmm. um, students um, nationally around this course um, to ensure that government finally did get to grant the students the no fee increase. And the students continue uh, to put their course on social media and they get support from one another. The one thing um, that I have found disturbing recently is um, the, 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 how do you say this? The way in which the, the protest has, it seems to me, um, started to cross certain lines that I suppose are important for conscientization, but also create their own problems. I'm specifically talking about um, the recent Rhodes University reference list, where we have a list of um, men that are alleged to have uh, committed rape. And around that has um, developed a protest 
uh, that has seen students um, basically denote themselves, well, mainly the, the top part. And so you have these images of these young people um, everywhere pretty much now online. Um, who took these pictures? Um, is this what the students uh, wanted to see happen? But I, what I'm also but, trying but, but, to point at is some of the unintended consequences mm -hmm. where the students themselves have reported that they have been uh, triggers uh, to the trauma that they have already suffered, where they have seen some of the male, uh, the men that they say um, that have been alleged to have raped, being part of the crowd that also is gleefully uh, taking pictures of them. Um, so, so the list that was published is of alleged rapists, ra 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 right, yes. published on the internet. Yes, it's, it's there on Twitter, um, Facebook. People are sharing it. So can't they take legal action if it's libelous? Uh, well, I suppose uh, there, there is a, a possibility of taking legal action. But all I'm saying is, you know, these, this mode of protest does raise lots of questions. I mean, I'm all for ensuring that there's protests against awful crimes like rape. But how you do it and how the media, social media gets to be used um, to push this can create other unintended problems. You are listening to the ALC discussion program. You are listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. Welcome back to the ALC discussion program. My guest today, uh, Dr. Pinky Mengwe of the uh, University of uh, Johannesburg, Tracy Humuza from the New Vision newspaper in Uganda, and Anne Kiruku from the East African News Agency. Uh, Tracy, I mean, I go back to the traditional journalism because I come from that from that old school. Yeah, I mean, with the opening up of the media space for both all of you in Africa, it seems to see people think that everything goes, and that should not be the case. <laughs> Clearly, yes. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure that that is the way it, it should be, that opening up the media space is, is, is going to solve much. Obviously, yes, we have a problem with mainstream media, but the way to address it is not to completely ignore mainstream media and go online and perpetuate all sorts of, you know, propaganda and fallacies and, 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 and sensationalize the news because there's already a reason why there are rules in place. And, and clearly when, uh, when, when you 
when you mess with the rules, uh, there are consequences. And, and a lot of the people who are not, like you said, um, when uh, Pinky, you said, um, the way they're approaching this may not be the way to do it. Uh, publishing people's pictures online uh, and maybe you know this this ends up being called you know a double rape or something it, it becomes a problem um i don't believe that that mainstream media um is the bigger problem i think the internet the the new media is is a good thing but it is not being used the way it sh- uh, to to in the right way no, no, I mean, the, the, the Islamic news agency is using more or less digital media to uh, sell, it, sell its stories. I mean, how, how do you view uh, digital media yourself? Uh, for me, there is always something I always ask myself. Uh, the government has been uh, proactive in advocating for internet usage, lowering the prices of uh, data bundles. In fact, a report I read recently by Liquid Telecommunication uh, was that uh, Kenya is the country in Africa that is having the lowest cost for internet. So it is uh, advocating for internet usage. Now, the question is how do we balance internet usage with uh, freedom of expression? Because we open up the internet. What are we opening up the internet for people to go there and do? only for uh, to market their businesses and all that, do we expect that is the only thing that they are going to do? So as we uh, promote in, uh, internet usage, and uh, we, uh, we also know that it will come with its own challenges. So everything uh, that uh, you do, you know that it comes along with its own challenges. So the question is finding a balance between harnessing internet usage with uh, uh, freedom of expression allow people to express themselves, but let them know that for every action, there are consequences. Yes, it is educating the masses. Well, surely this is just a reflection of the way society is moving. <laughs> Don't yes. you think, Tracy? Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I believe the whole issue uh, with us getting more into, uh, obviously capitalistic, and we're all looking to, to, to self-aggrandizement in one way or another, makes it difficult for anyone to actually be um, the watchdog that the society needs. No one is looking out for the watchdog, Every, uh, rather for the society. Everyone is now, you know, one man, for, each man for himself, God for us all. Let's hope to God that he'll be watching in the first place. <laughs> so, so that is what is happening. And, and it's a bit unfortunate that that's where there's a problem in society that we need to address. I don't know if, if a sensitization is going to help much, or maybe we need to go lower down to the grassroots, start educating the children about the media and how, because it is dangerous. It, it, it's one of the most powerful instruments um, in the world, world over. Everybody knows the media can be very, very dangerous. And now in the hands of everybody, that's, uh, that's, that's difficult. Yes, because uh, I mean, that's what they used in the UK to uh, during, during the riots. I mean, that's how they coordinated the activity, but the government did not uh, shut down the, uh, the, 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 the the internet. So I mean, what do you think about the Ugandan government sh- shutting down the, uh, the the internet space during the last elections? And since you, I mean, how how, how much did it affect uh, the, the newspapers in the, or the media in the Uganda? 
Well, for one, I think um, people lost trust in the government. Uh, if you can go so far as to take away something that is supposed to be an, a human right, a basic human right, it doesn't matter what your, uh, yes, your intentions are good, um, you're, you're assuming that there will be violence, but maybe there wasn't going to be violence. And, and, and we're saying uh, um, prevention is better than cure, is what a lot of the people in the government were saying, but preventing what? You know, it means you you're not you're actually insulting um, the, the 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 you're insulting the intelligence of the masses. You're telling them um, you you can't do nothing for yourself. You you we're not we can't trust you with with communicating with each other. We can't trust that you you want good for yourselves. And and I think when they shut down the internet, um, it was particularly particularly a wrong. I don't believe that it was the way to go because now people are aware more than ever that the the the, the government maybe is not looking out for them anymore, um, and and for a country to feel that they are at that that, that they're at stake that that they should be afraid of the government, I I don't think that's a good. And way. how did that affect your own coverage of the East African news agency of the elections in Uganda? Um, for me, it didn't affect me directly uh, because, um, because your, your correspondents were not able to send they, the reports. They cannot be able to send the reports. But as me, as a journalist and as a writer, if I see such a thing, the first thing is uh, to shout from the rooftops <laughs> so that the, my, the, I can uh, fight for the rights of the Ugandans. That is my role. That when the government does such a thing, is to write a story about it, and uh, because it is quite unfortunate that uh, government can go to such an extent of closing down uh, internet usage that it's, uh, on the other hand, uh, pretending to promote. So uh, on uh, sending of, uh, of course, um, co uh, communicating with the correspondents, of course, that was affected. But the greater role when such a thing happens for us as journalists is to be able to rise and uh, talk on behalf of those or what has happened. Just like what we are doing on the case of Burundi, that when we hear that the journalists are there, the, the, the gagging of the media, uh, what is the challenges that the, the journalists are going through there, it is for us, the rest of the East Africa community, to speak. Yes, but Pinky, uh, you want to say something? I want to, uh, to add to um, this conversation uh, around what happened in Uganda to say that it was a very instructive moment. I mean, we've been talking about, um, you know, being cautionary essentially around the use of online media. But this was one of those instances where you see the immense opportunity that the, the internet actually offers um, journalists and also everybody else that in spite of uh, this shutdown, there were people that were going to the borders of other countries and ensuring that the news still comes out. Yes. So, we developed hacking methods. I mean, everyone, <laughs> there was virtual private network. But they couldn't, just the act of doing it didn't stop it from happening. We still got the internet. Within hours, everybody was able to hack somewhere or another to get internet. Uh, but you see, in such close elections, or what have you, maybe I can understand the government's perspective because people put yeah. out wrong information even yeah. before the results are out, and yeah. then it, it causes a lot more problems. You know, yeah. I mean, that yeah. the opposition has won when the opposition hasn't won, and then you have 
for the for the for the mm. problem, don't you think? Yes, yes. certainly. Yeah. But as I was saying, I mean, it also shows that um, you cannot. Nothing is simplistic anymore. Yes. You cannot imagine that you can just shut Mount people Island. down. Yes. No, the media. Um, online media is allowing for creativity yes. and it is empowering people mm -hmm. in a manner in which we haven't seen before. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much to Dr. Pinkwe Megwe from the University of Johannesburg, Tracy Ahumuzo from the uh, New Vision newspaper in Uganda, and Anne Kiruku from the Staffing News Agency. Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. <laughs>